What's up, everybody? I'm Graham Bunn. So excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things country music. That's right. And I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community. And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the game. It's a gathering, and we want you here. You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bunn, for free right here on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another coronation edition of Classic Blood Dude. I'm your host, Clark Jones, a.k.a. Pod Strickland. The dude who loves you and hopes you love me back. I'm live in L.A. still. I did not flee the city. I did not flee the city. I'm live from the valley. And, uh, man, it's it's been it's been two weeks since I talked to you all last. I did the solo podcast, and I, I asked Instagram. I was like, yo, should I keep doing them solo, or should I, should I bring in guests? And it was a hell yes, a hell no question. And most people said hell yes, but you know I don't trust the public. I'm very uh, the opposite of what everybody says I should do. But I'm like, if I'm going to have a guest, I'm going to have a dope-ass guest. So I usually do. Like season one of Classic Black Dude, CBD, all my classmates have enjoyed everybody we had on the show. And I'm just trying to keep that same energy going, let you know that, you know, L.A. is crazy because everybody's just searching for uh, some bit of normalcy. And I hate to use the Joe Biden term, but everybody just want to have things the same way that they've been. So you got people still doing car chases. I don't know if y'all saw this. It was a dude. It wasn't a high speed chase. It was a uh, it was a 40, 40 mile per hour chase through down South Los Angeles and downtown. Dude just on the he was on the 105 and the 110. I didn't even know you could lose both tires and still keep going. That's what whatever this Windstar, I'm not sure what type of minivan he was in. Yes, he was in a minivan with the scraped off top like he had skis on the top, but they got knocked off under a viaduct. It was crazy. And it, it didn't even get that much news. That's how much people are just want to talk about the the lockdown and everybody if you home, stay home, of course. But it was wild. This chase lasted about 30 miles. I've never seen a Windstar with more than a quarter tank of gas in it. So this dude is like incredible. He was riding on two of his rims like they they put the speed there i ain't even i've never seen a speed trap put down but somebody does that with their hand and they throw it out there two of the wheels on both of the wheels on the passenger side went out i thought if they did that your car would automatically lean but it did not dude kept within the lines he's a master driver um he got out the car and well actually he crashed let me be let me be exact he crashed off the 405 the back of his uh the back of his wind star hit the van then he couldn't get out and then he started cussing at the police and i say all that to say yes he was white i said he was white without having to say he was white because he was sticking his middle finger out at the at the at the helicopters and i thought it was like grand theft auto like i thought the 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 the, the atv vans would just jump out in front of him and try to make him crash that is not what happened they followed him it was a very peaceful arrest it was about six or seven narcos police out there just like pointing guns at him. And he's still flipping the cops off. Very Tupac like, very L.A. like. And uh, yeah, man, people just want shit to be the same. But nothing will ever be the same. Maybe it'll be better. Who knows? I know what is going to be better. And that's me with a guest. Speaking of which, I'm terrible at segues. But. You know what I'm you know I'm out of touch with getting the proper intros for my guests, but I'm very happy to have Jamila Lemieux, straight from Chicago in LA now. We lived in we lived in Brooklyn together. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm we lived in Brooklyn for the same time for like 12 years, and I think maybe saw each other once. I don't even very know if it was that many. Like I just assumed it had to have been at least once, but it's entirely possible that I haven't I saw you once since we graduated high school. What what part of Brooklyn were you in? I was in Bedstuy. Bedstuy. Okay. I moved. I lived in Bed. I lived in Crown Heights. Okay. I never lived in Bedstuy. Was like the one place in Brooklyn that I didn't really traverse too much. But I got all my uh, when I when I moved to um, what's old boy's name? It was uh, what's the main street in Crown Heights? Um, Eastern Parkway. Sorry. Eastern Parkway and Troy Ave. That's what I was trying to think of. I lived Troy on. Yeah, like, I lived on. Like, what's his name? Yeah, what's that boy name? Named after the street, Troy, Troy Ave. I definitely lived on Troy Ave, on Eastern Parkway. So 
I'm familiar with the hoods of 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 Brooklyn, but New York wasn't for me as a Chicagoan. Did you enjoy Brooklyn? I loved Brooklyn. I um I was there for 12 years. I left in October and until the lockdown, I was out there once or twice a month. Oh, so um, you like you like it. I do. I, I love Brooklyn. Like I, I miss it terribly. It was also time for me to go for a number of reasons. Um I felt that I was like creatively starting to become stagnant. And then, you know, I mean things change so drastically. You know, gentrification is hitting every urban you know, epicenter in the country, everywhere that I've loved, everywhere that black folks love is, is completely changing shape. But, um, you so know, that what? was hard to watch. The thing yeah. I hate about gentr- gentrification so much or the thing that, <coughs> excuse me, that bothers me so much is not that it's like the faux niche replacements. So like, mm. it's not like you coming in and you changing a culture, you, you kind of coming in with the fake version of the culture. Yeah. So people think like, oh, it's still black. Look at the kente cloth. But like that kente is from Amazon. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, like yeah, the the you perpetra- got graffiti art done by kids that grew up in Madison, Wisconsin, yeah, and moved to Bushwick two weeks ago. It's very like you know, like the phone sinners. Like it's an outsourced culture to represent. Yeah. Only thing, only thing, probably still black is Forty Acres building. And I always check to see like, is it still there? You know what I mean? Like every week it seemed like he was having to go in out of business sale. <laughs> like Spike right. Spike is a salesman. Like he would be out there. Did you ever just see him out there chilling, selling old All the time. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Taking photos with people. It was like, man, you are like a quintessential New York hustler. You sell everything yourself. You don't care what it is. Old t-shirts, like heir- <laughs> heirlooms, Malcolm X suits. He didn't care. What took you to Brooklyn in the first place? So I decided to move to Brooklyn when I was about 12. Um, now, mind you, I never actually visited New York until I was 21. But I decided at 12, largely because <laughs> of A Tribe Called Quest and Digable Planet. Okay. And most hip-hop, of that. You know, the most of that. Oh, like, it, it was really hip hop that pushed me to, to New York. And, you know, as I got a little bit older and started to, figure out like, okay, Queens versus the Bronx versus Brooklyn versus Harlem. You know, I was like, okay, Brooklyn is where I want to be. And when I graduated from college, I landed there immediately. I didn't, I was working as an office manager for an elementary school, which was not my long-term plan. I was trying to figure out if I wanted to be a teacher, which I had done briefly um, while I was in school or a writer, you know, which is something that I wanted to do, but I hadn't studied and like, decided at the very end of my college career to everyone who told me I should have been a writer and I should have been studying writing was correct. So I, at this point I had a blog and I was like, I'm going to just get to New York however I can. And I'm going to somehow figure out how to make it there as a writer. And I did. Yo, I did. motherfuckers don't even know years ago, you're the one who told me, cause I used to do the Facebook notes. You're like, man, you should write mm-hmm. a, you should start a blog. I remember that was like 2006. And yeah. I was like, the fuck is a blog? She don't know what she's talking about. She's younger than me. What is she going to give me advice for? <laughs> this, is, this is before I started listening to black women like I'm supposed to. Uh, mm-hmm. So you was on it early and you you decide, you started yours. What was your first blog? My, my very, very first blog, which changed names pretty quickly, uh, was called, um, the, it was called uh, Black Girl Found. I think I remember that title, yeah. For like two seconds. And then it became Me, Myself, and I. And so like, I want to say the name of the blog was Me, Myself, and I, which was a riff off of the, um, oh God. De La Soul? Oh, who's, oh. not De La Soul. Uh, it's a, a, oh my God. Was it, it's a jazz musician. Was it? Um, Felonious? Oh, damn. Not Felonious. Not to look it up. It's been so long. <laughs> um, but um Oh God! And I can see him, and he recorded "Goodbye Pork Pie Hat." Okay, I'm gonna Google that right now. I'm ashamed for not knowing. This. No, no, go ahead. I'll but, talk. Um, I'll talk while you look it up, since I ain't got my. So, um, I don't have my my my. I'm not in the studio, so I. Charles Susan. Mingus. 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 Yes. Yeah, and and um, so that was you know kind of like a playoff of that album title, but then the URL was the Beautiful Struggler. Yes, like, that's blog, the spot, one. That kind of, and so people came to know it as the Beautiful Struggler, uh, okay. which is kind of a, a riff off the Talib Kweli album, The Beautiful Struggle, 
Mm. But then, then, a, then a young Ta-Nehisi Coates named his <laughs> first book "The Beautiful Struggle," and I was like, "Damn, I'm right here, homie." But um, it's hard so, for me to read Ta-Nehisi. I love him. I love what he's doing. It's just hard for me to read anything I'm already familiar with. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to be like to sit down and read a book of things. It's like, oh yeah, I did that. I, I could do a movie about that. I it. But it's hard yeah. for me to be like in tune with like because I'll be too critical of it. I know too much about the subject mm-hmm. matter. You know what I mean? Like so even think, even with the shy or anything like Showtime, it's hard for me to watch yeah. shit I'm overly familiar with. Man, I have that same problem. I think the one way that I've learned to kind of work in, and it kept me from engaging with stuff for a long time, you know, like there's a lot of things I just missed out on because I was like, I don't want to see that. I'm from there. I know that. But like right. now it, it's for me more just kind of like a study in writing and storytelling, you know, like I think of Tanahasi as just a masterful, like just how he writes. So it's not necessarily that I'm learning as much as I'm like not, I'm not learning history and facts in the way that I'm getting a lesson in storytelling and creating, you know, sentences in ways that I might not have thought about doing, or, you know, just how he uses language. I really appreciate. And I think that it, it should, it's, it's not an insult to say that he is a phenomenal <laughs> storyteller. He, he's phenomenal yeah. at, He's a great cultural translator. Like he talks about sure. black struggle and black identity in ways that white folks can understand. And that is a skill that somebody has to have. Like it's not my ministry. Like I'm not saying I can't do it. It's just not it's not my focus. And I don't necessarily think it's his focus, you know, but I think that he does it well in a way that, you know. And and yeah, that's that, that's, that's part of the necessary. Reason, that's part of the reason why I support it in that I want the message to get across as much as possible. But maybe I'm not the audience. Also, if you're trying to translate the struggle and put it in, that's that's really what it was, because at the beginning of the book, I'm just sitting there. It's almost like the first episode of a sitcom where they have to do so much uh, backstory, you know, especially if it's a black sitcom and they got to let people know, Okay, this is what we do here. And this is how black people season their food. And I'm just like, I need to get, get to the point. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like he yeah. educates you in any way about like black men? Is there a learning element there? No, but I'll say that that is because I think, you know, you're saying like you weren't, you know, you joked that you weren't listening to black women yet. I think black women <laughs> by and large, not all of us, but overwhelmingly are kind of trained to listen to black men. Okay. So like, you know, I think about some of the books that I bought, you know, even as a college or a high school student, college student, you know, like about the miseducation of black boys and the conspiracy to destroy the black male image. You know what I mean? Like these were just things that I was like naturally inclined to care about and think about and to listen to you all. And like yeah. listening to women in general, like period, you know, let alone listening to black women True. is just a skill set that most men have to learn. You know, like it, it, you're not right. trained to do it. Like you're trained to hear certain things, you know, or perhaps to look for certain reactions. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things where it's like I'm doing a temperature check. Temperature check. Is she angry? Is she sad? Is she, you know, hungry? Does she like <laughs> me? Does she not like me? But like really listening and being, you know, like, hey, her advice for something I should do in my life. Is it good or not? Or she's talking about her feelings, you know, like right. how am I receiving that? You know what I mean? As opposed to I find this valid. I find this invalid, so I'm rejecting it. You know, like there's always. So the f- yeah, I don't necessarily feel like he's educating me in that way, but again, I think for me, like what I benefit most from is just like how he how he writes. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's and, and, and that's. I have what, a funny time to see story. Oh, I, I would love to hear it before before you okay. do though. It it is uh it's a big onus we put on, and I don't know if he necessarily rejects it either, but there's this onus to be the black voice. And I'm going to unpack that first, but tell me what, what's your, what's your coach yeah. story? Oh, yes. We could definitely talk about that. So, um, and, and he's not someone that I know well, but we have, you know, we know each other casually, but the first time that I met Ta-Nehisi was in, I want to say 2007, 2008. I was relatively new to New York. And my, one of my best friends, who you know, my best friends from high school, her mm-hmm. older brother is one of his best friends. So at this point, he's, you know, he hasn't put out his um, Beautiful Struggle yet. So he's not a household name in the way he is now. But I was familiar with his work because he was writing for The Village Voice. And I actually had a professor in college because he also went to Howard. 
it was like, yo, you know, you, you remind me of this young man who I taught. And I think that's kind of how I got hip to him. And I was obsessed with all things New York. So I was reading The Voice online and stuff, wow. and, you know, kind of preparing okay. for whatever that life is going to look like. And so <laughs> Your prep and work. I was like, okay, work. My prep work, you know. And so anyway, so my best, my, my girl is like, oh, my brother's in town. You know, you want to go eat with him and some of his friends. So I'm like, yeah. And they're like, maybe I want to say 10, 12 years older than we are. You know, like, yeah, I forget exactly that. how old he is, but he's in his mid you know, um, I'm 35, so he's got to be in his, you know, at least 46, 47 now. Yeah, we owe card. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. But, uh, we forget, we forget artist names too Cheers. easily. It used to just pop off. Like, oh, from their bearded. Yeah, yeah. Now we like, to, what's his name? used to just, oh, do with the, um, you know, the thing. Mm. And um, so anyway, so I'm like, yeah, you know, like a couple of his friends. <laughs> do make the thing yeah. it's gonna be some older you know it's gonna be some older guys there i'm gonna get a free meal like hell yeah i'm gonna go so we get there you know there's there's her brother and like two i think two of his homeboys and a homegirl turns out that all the homeboys are married you know it's fine so we just kind of step right into the little sister role that we've always played when we're around her older brother you know okay. like they roasting us jokes. you know we're being roasted yeah. jokes free food and so <laughs> i had recently bought a cat I'd recently gotten a cat. Shout out to Ghostface Kitten. I don't know where you are in the world. I hope you're still alive. Mm. But um, I had bought him a hat. Like when I was buying, you know, his litter box and toys and stuff, I got him a little cat hat. So I pull out, you know, like I show a picture of the cat with the cat hat on. And they like just destroy me. Like they're just killing me. Turn the like, head coat. Well, head jokes. You know, I was like, hey, the cat, it was on sale. It was only like. Oh yes, but like, that, you the know main what? one, and can, so they all, you know. Can I say so something? Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on hold go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. Actually, no. You go ahead. You no, go ahead. I was gonna say this is. I don't know. If this is probably flattering, but that's a part of your charm. You, I think you invite. You it, it, tell me if I'm wrong. You invite that Chicago roasting energy as a as a uh, peace offering. I've seen it before. I've you seen, said what? I, I've seen you invite yourself as a roast target. It's almost like a peace offering. That's a part of your charm. Like you'll come, you'll come into a room just with one piece that's ridiculous that you like. It ain't, it ain't like yeah. you don't fuck with it, but you know it'll invite. Get all your aggressive male energy out, jokes, whatever it may be, just yeah. as a I come in peace offering. Am I right on that? Damn, nobody's ever seen through me like that before, Clark. That's kind of scary. I've been watching you for a long time. We went, we was like, me and Jamila go back to 98, 98, yeah, 99, 98. yeah, 98. African American Culture Club. Uh, yeah. It has, we had some stars like that. People yeah. who are doing things right now. My boss, Lee Davenport, I believe was president. Um, wow. She's the creator of a new show that I'm writing on. Lovey. Yeah, it's amazing. Will Miles, plenty of people yeah. like Whitney Young produces group. produces stars. Um, yeah. So we 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 go back to then. The yeah. oldest story I guess I got is uh <laughs> oh man, this is wild. This ain't even an embarrassing you story. It's more embarrassing me. Oh wait. But I used to. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't good with women back then. I was just always mm -hmm. like the dude who had jokes a little bit. I was friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. So like I was a late bloomer and I, I liked one of uh, Jamila's friends and uh, we just kind of had this like this topical little whatever flirtation thing. And I think I told you and I think you mm. told her and that just ruined it. Like, oh, you, know, no. you know who I'm talking about, right? She went to Howard That's too. Like Starts with an E. Oh, you <laughs> did. <laughs> we had a oh. thing. It was popping. Like if it was today, I know exactly what to do with it. But I ain't know yeah, what to do with it back then. Like, as I recall, y'all had chemistry. It wasn't like it you was, know what I mean. It was popping through the roof. Yeah. But then yeah. I think I, you know what it was. Motherfuckers like me be like, well, I don't. I, I wasn't fucking yet, so it was like, well, this is the yeah. end. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I, was, yeah. I just kind of was my own enemy in that situation. Yeah. I really didn't know what to do next. I was fucking yeah. a sophomore in high school. I was so awkward back then. God, yeah. I was awkward. I yeah. was so awkward. But you're right. Like, I do. And that's one thing. And it, it's a it's a good strategy. I even do it on, you know, on, on first dates or, you know, early dates sometimes. I mean, I'm not going to sure. come in wearing something like, you know, but just kind of like 
okay, so here's where I have on, you know, a red wig, you know, and like just kind of diffuses any tension in the room or whatever. And like, and I like roasting as my love language. So I'm going to, Gotta fry, be. Like, yeah. I'm going to fry you up. So I'm going <coughs> to put myself out first. But when I come back in, it's like guns blazing. So wait, let me finish the Tanahashi story real okay, quick. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so they, you know, and so I'm like, well, what? You know, they're, they're going at me and I'm like, it was, it was on sales on like $2. And Tanahashi says, a cat hat is always too expensive. And I just die in that moment. And so fast forward to the next day, I guess, you know, my homegirl's brother maybe puts a picture on Facebook or something that I didn't realize I somehow, and I'm bad with name, you know, introductions have, I have ADHD. I take medicine now, but back then I didn't. So like, you know, somehow I missed the names in the introduction and maybe because I'd like done a scan of the table and I was like, wedding ring, wedding ring, wedding ring, like, okay, like this, you know. Yeah. You just, I mean, yeah, your mind could have been anywhere. I was like, is that fucking Ta-Nehisi Coates? She was like, yeah, you didn't. I was like, so now, you know, like, who knows where my life would have been. And <laughs> Your life is instead great. Instead of saying, look at my life is great. But instead of saying, look at my cat hat, if I were like, say, brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I got this blog, these essays I've been writing. We got a professor in common who says, I remind you of him. Wow. You know, and I, should, I mean, I also could have made that outreach then, but I was just kind of like, well, I'm the girl with the cat hat. So I <laughs> you know what to, that um, is? We it's a Chicago thing too, man. We just like the worst thing you could be, and going back to high school, you might agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. The worst thing you could be was thirsty. Absolutely. That was Absolutely. just like it it was This it is was, a marijuana, by the way. I don't want nobody to think this is a cigarette. Even though I do oh. feel like Dave Chappelle is the reason even though he smokes cigarettes and I don't like the ease with which he just pulls his cigarettes out in any setting. Yeah has made me feel like I can just smoke weed wherever. I mean, I'm in my house with my door closed in my bedroom. And it's a fucking lockdown. So who the fuck cares? I'm drinking my wine. I don't. I can't smoke right now just because, you know, lungs and shit, but I'm on a gummy, you know? Yeah. I was supposed That's to host the, the Cannabis Awards, but hey, man, yeah. certain shit got pushed back. So fuck it. Certain shit got pushed back. This I'm is- definitely smoking less. Like, I, I yeah, like we got to protect the lung. I bought some lung thing off the internet like that's supposed to like for smokers to like help you clear your lungs out or whatever it came oh, yesterday sure. so it's sitting by it's sitting by the door waiting because i gotta leave packages by the door for a day you know you spray is that them the room i just got a package i just brought it in things i heard <laughs> yeah i hope you wash your hands though right i'm gonna like light, i'm gonna light saw the box down i'm gonna light okay, saw the box but did you wash your hands as soon as you like came in that's every we gotta like that has to become a muscle like you open your door you yeah. go outside and get you I, I go get stuff with gloves on Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime I leave the house, it's mask and gloves. I walk the dog, mask and gloves. Yeah, you yeah. you are smoking it like it's a square, but we know it's not. I know, and it is. This is cool. I, I, these are called toast. Um, toasts. It's like two CB. The ratio is like two CBD to one THC. Oh sure. And so it's tobacco free. It looks like a cigarette. It's filtered. It's very light. So this is like a cool little vibey. Like is it sativa, you know, indica, hybrid? What? Uh, I would imagine that this is a sativa dominant hybrid. Oh, see, yeah, I can't fuck yeah. with it. Uh, no, no, I can't fuck with indicas. So I was, yeah, I, was I need say. to get some of that. Some people can't fuck yeah. with with um, sativas because they sativa. they're already so wired. Get wired. Yeah. yeah, but um, we got to take a quick break here on Classic Black Dude. We we'll right back with Jamila and me. We talking about black shit. We talking about New York. We talking about our history. We go back over twenty years, and we're gonna talk about Michelle Robinson, Obama, and all types <laughs> of black women and black dude stuff. We'll be right back on Classic Black Dude with your host Pod Strickland. Right back. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. 
At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Dell EMC. All right, we back. Jamila Lemieux breaking it down. She yeah. she she had a missed connection with Tanahasi Coates <laughs> on the on the uh, on the networking side. She didn't mention beauty, yes. her, her blog that she was supposed to, but he heard about it because he then named his book after the blog that she had already. <laughs> so he knew about you. No, he knew no, about you. He he got that from Quali's album. He's so you know. So I got to reconnect with him um, oh. whenever Black Panther was out. It was like All Star oh, Weekend, shit. and he was in LA that weekend. Um, and it was like a, a little party at, um, like a little at a at a local divish bar. And oh, my shit. homeboy was there, and he was like, "Yo, come through." He's like, "Coast is with me," and he was like, "I don't know, they might be kind of weird at the door." I'm like, "Oh, I know that's like it's fine. I know the spot. Like I'm good." And I, I got to tell him this, you know, and my friend's brother was there, so it was great. So I got to tell him the story in person you know, face to face. And he was like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. He was so apologetic. He's so yeah. nice. Like he was just super. Like, that's that that's great. That's great to hear. Cause some of the yeah. other uh, self-proclaimed black voices, I don't really fuck with. I don't fuck with Tarek. I love him. I love, but it's just, I never accepted him as the voice and you ain't got to speak on it. I know it's all, we all connected, but I, he already blocked me on Twitter. So <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'll just say, Teray has always been very kind to me. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not saying that, that that means nothing, but when you get to meet somebody off, and also, like, at the point in which we met, there was nothing he needed from me, you know, right? Sure. So I, I was Fair just kind of like, okay, like, he was always very kind. And I know I'm certainly on that list of people where your Twitter self ain't, doesn't always reflect your actual self. And you True. may think, like, what? You know, like, because tone... You know, you don't hear vocal inflections. There's no sarcasm on. Right. There's no, there's no, hey, guy. like, even if you'd be like, yo, hey, guys, I'm going through some shit. I had a really bad day. I'm sorry. Like, whatever you know, voice you get, people choose to hear that in or read that in, that's yeah. where it goes. Like, that's why, like, that's you know, Twitter comedians trying to get yeah. on stage. But because what you're saying, people are, you're using, number one, using Twitter language, black Twitter yeah. language. Which it's is very specific. It's very so specific. In group. It's so in group. Like and, that shit does not translate everywhere. And people read it, the pacing, the syncopation, everything. They read it in the funniest voice in their head as possible. And if you need to yeah. laugh, you're gonna laugh anyway. So that's why I don't translate. Yeah. But uh But I will say, and I don't consider <laughs> myself a Twitter comedian, that that is why when I decided that I wanted to uh pursue comedy, which is a thing I don't think that you know. I did not know um, this. I think you might have mentioned it, but I, I'm not. I wouldn't confirm. This is the first confirmation right here on Classic Black Dude. Yes, exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Shut up, Wait, all I the classmates. The I, I got the horn on my phone. I could do that. We can't um, edit that out, so we'll add it later. <laughs> <laughs> But so, but, um, so what's, wait, what is this? So I decided to, so I'm taking, uh, I, I have a tutor. I have okay. folks I'm working with. Like I'm, I'm, you know, and when the world goes back to normal, I mean, I'm, I'm taking classes online with someone who one-on-one who typically teaches them to a group. So it's akin to taking the class. But when I, when the world returns to normal, I do intend to take regular classes. Also my degree is in theater. So, and I've been doing public speaking for a decade. So it, it's, it's a different muscle. It's a but different muscle. There's a, there's, it's an entirely different muscle. It's a different type of writing. Just simply being funny and being funny on stage and being funny in a script are three very different things. But it's all. It's, it's, go ahead. I just gonna say I'm fortunate to have some pieces that go like if this is a pie that you have to make. I can say I have a pan and I got some shortening. You know, like I'm not starting with like okay, I got to go to the grocery store. It's like I got some stuff. That's the I big, got some stuff that goes in there. That's the biggest thing is people's expectation of when shit's supposed to happen. Like, you know, yeah. I, I came from the journalism background. That's why I, I got the MA in that. And I was working for Ebony Jet and they sold everything mm -hmm. and went out of fucking business. And I was just like, Man. what can I do that ain't depending on something else? 
And yeah. at the time, it was just like stand up. You can just go up and do it. You don't need shit but a mic and, you know, whatever, whatever. But at the beginning, yeah, like I thought like, OK, about two years, I'll be on Showtime or whatever TV show. And that turned into 12 years later. Um, but it's still to me when I watch you, Clark, when I see the stuff that you've done, it just still feels like it don't feel late. It don't feel, you know what I mean? Like, I'm clear oh. that you've been doing this for a long time, but it feels like, all right. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, yeah. this is the time, like, I was listening to um, Questlove's podcast. Oh, it's an older episode where he interviewed um, Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. And he talked uh-huh. about, he was like, with the exception of Eddie Murphy, like, name a comedian that really blew up before his 30s. You know? Like, right. he's like, you're not really that funny. And so, you know what I mean? Like, you might be humorous, but like, that just... That, that the best comedy is informed by some sort of life experience. And even if you're just doing silly physical comedy, it's still that having experienced enough life to do that too, I, I think, you know, it, it's high at your best capacity. It's just 30 somethings are a lot funnier than 20 somethings. You know what it, it, it boils down to, and I think for me is like, um, you, it, it, it take it what well, they used to say the funny thing you say it takes 10 years to realize you're not gonna make it so and that's like a test for comedians like are you gonna keep yeah. putting in 10 10 years ten thousand hours or whatever and uh that was just for me because i went straight into it like i was still substitute yeah. teaching but substitute teaching was already my plan b when i started and you you gotta understand like I could never give advice on comedy only because it's the landscape is changing so much. Absolutely. And after this, it's going to change even again that we all going to be trying to figure what the fuck we're supposed yeah. to be doing. But it's this it's, might be your stand up stage that you're in right now. Like, this is this is this is my outlet. This is your stage. I, I thankfully got in front of, you know, I started my podcast before this happened because I just felt like you just I just I just never want to be have all my eggs in one place. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And I was just like, I just need another outlet. And I, this is some kind of way, even with your all your extensive work in journalism, like it gets to a point where you bring it all back. So this is what yeah. I did in grad school. I had a radio show and somehow mm-hmm. it took me so so long to do it. And you might be able to relate to this is like because, you know, the right you have so much respect for it. Like, I have yeah. so much respect for radio. Yes. I have so much yes. respect for comedy that I couldn't yes. put out bullshit because I know yeah. too much about it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. So, and there's so many. Go ahead. There, there's, a, there's a lot of internet famous people. And I'm very, you know, when I, I don't <laughs> say internet famous as a knock because, like, I'm internet famous. You know what I mean? Like, the, everything yeah. that I've been able to do is because of the internet. And also, the internet is a legitimate medium. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like saying somebody's a TV star. Like, yeah, if you're a bigger star, if you're a TV star, than if you're an internet star, most likely, depending on which internet star you are. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not competing with somebody who's on a sitcom, but I know that I know where I live. I've I've lived on the internet primarily, right? And and because mag- who who reads magazine? But like, I <laughs> nobody also know, like nobody at <laughs> Ebony. Um, like I am gr- proud of the things I've accomplished. I'm clear on the things I've accomplished. I'm also never going to pretend that success in one space or that space entitles me to success in any others, right? It has given me a very enviable Rolodex. Mm. It opens, opening a door does not mean that you're in, right? Opening the door means you can get into the lobby to get the interview, to get the meeting, you know what I'm saying? Like, so yes, I have heightened access to those things and to people that are just willing to read, you know, a script or have a conversation with me. And that's great. But because I care, because I respect writing, that's where it all starts for me. Right. I'm a writer. So like, you know, I encounter, and I'm sure, you know, in your journalism days, you came across a lot of people who literally either just because they know you and they're like, Oh, you doing this? I got an article I want to write, but it's like, well, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're, you know, all something else. And it's not that what you do isn't significant. And it's mm-hmm. not that what you, what, it's not even always that what they wanted to talk about wasn't worth being discussed, but just kind of like, do you have that muscle? And yeah, there were people I edited who had full-time careers that were some of the best writers that I came across. There were people who studied journalism that were wildly mediocre, you know, but right. like, but it's about, it's about, the, the time that you put into honing, it's, it's the combination of natural talent and the investment that you put into doing the work. So there are people who I saw that were mediocre, you know, 10 years ago that are doing, that are pretty solid now because they were willing to humble themselves and improve. 
you know, I know I had a lot to learn. I didn't go to school for journalism. I went to school for acting, mm, you know, I so know it's that. like, yeah, most people don't. That's why I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not starting at 100% zero because <laughs> I have, a, a, you know what I mean? Because oh, I've been trying to perform. The desire, you know, to like, go, the desire to go on stage is first and foremost. Even for the vets, you can just tell when the motherfucker don't want to be on stage. And that's yeah. like, yeah. if you don't want to be there. Or don't feel comfortable on stage. Just getting too comfortable. You don't have no desire for it. Chappelle and all that he's done, and he just got the uh, Mark Twain Award. He still has yeah. a desire to be up there. To be on stage. And yeah. I'm, I'm finally at a place in my career where I can go up when I desire. Some some days, two or three days, I just don't have that desire if I didn't do the prep yeah. work of writing and yeah. preparing and thinking about it. Um, yeah. It's, it's so many lessons with it, but you your curve isn't as high because you have so much life experience and you've dealt yeah. with people for so long. I mean, like you're in a people driven yeah. journalism is people driven. Yeah. So you already yeah. have those. It's just like formulating all your shit. Look, fuck, I'm giving you a, yeah. I'm teaching right oh, now. Give me a comedy lesson. I'm teaching. And also, but my actual bread and butter, like when I left my last corporate, like at my last time job, my bread and butter has largely been speaking engagements. Yeah, it is. You know, so it, it, it's so it's kind of like the structure of like, you know, being on stage and having to, you know, having something that I've prepared and written, but also being having to be prepared to go off book, you know, to right. take a temperature check and, and see what are people responding to. And, you know, I do. I've always tried to make people laugh. you know, what I mean, like there have been very few times that I addressed the audience and what I had to speak about was so somber or serious that there were no jokes. You know what I mean? It's like even if we're talking about, you know the death of, uh, you know, our people at the hands of the police, even if we're talking about sexual violence, at some point, you know, that the levity is necessary. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Classic Black Dude. We're in our last leg. Man, this interview went by so quick. We're here with Jamila Lemieux, respected podcaster, fucking uh, writer, writer first, HU grad, and now comedian. This was news to us. We had breaking news right here on Classic <laughs> Black Dude. We'll be back after the break. With your boy Clark Jones, Jamie Lemieux, Posh Strickland. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from American Express, who is proud to be backing 100 Black women entrepreneurs, like Reese Scott, who founded a boxing community for women. Boxing helps women and girls to build their confidence. Or Taylor Long, who founded a clothing brand for all. Everyone should have access to the same style of clothing, no matter their size. 100 Black Women Entrepreneurs, 100% backing of American Express Business. Meet the 100 at AmericanExpress.com slash 100 for 100. Support for this podcast comes from Walgreens. Let's start with everyone out there who loves a good story. Now, narrow it down to all those passionate podcast listeners who are dedicated to living their best life. That's you, right? Well, Walgreens created a new, easier way to shop, save, and stay well just for you. It's called My Walgreens, and when you join, you'll discover personalized deals, instantly earn unlimited rewards, and receive real-time local health alerts. Join for free at MyWalgreens.com. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back here on Classic Black Dude, where you learn everything. It's called Classic because it's all for all the classmates, all the listeners, because you learn something. That's what you're doing on this show, Classic Black Dude, hosted by your boy, Clark Jones. I got a very special guest, Jamila Lemieux, and uh, mom, too. Mom, HU grad, Whitney Young grad, Chicagoan, all the things. How is it being a parent during this, during this crisis? How fun do you think it is? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, it's such a learning curve. It's like you starting comedy, me being a parent. I don't know shit. What do you, what's, what's the, what's been the most difficult thing about this? Cause I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have no idea. <laughs> I will put, so there's an emotional, sad, super dark, scary element to this that I'm just going to leave out of this conversation. Sure. Because I had those conversations. You know, nauseum. Yeah, I'm sure. But um, but I'll say the other side. I am all, like so. My little one's father and I have a fifty-fifty arrangement in terms of her time. Um, no court, Boom. no no mediators, handshakes, and homies for seven years. Co-parenting like a motherfucker. There. There it is. Co-parenting is a lot easier. Um, <laughs> but um, and and for me, it is a lifesaver in so many ways, right? Because like, if this were me 
every single day, even if, you know, I, I were pregnant, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I wasn't the only adult in the house every single day. Like I'm somebody who requires solo time. So the fact sure. that, you know, we're still alternating a few days here, a few days there, which means being even more restricted than other people are being in terms of like going to the grocery store. Like I'm just, I've eliminated that, you know, I'm like, I just, right now I can't, I, everything I have to order it. I have to order a lot of stuff at once and just limit, limit the number of times that somebody's delivering groceries, you know, if mm-hmm. we're going to go from one house to the other. But, um, you know, that has made things, so we're doing two days here, two days there, two here, two here, two there. And so I'm thinking about maybe suggesting that we switch to three and three because two can go by very quickly, you know, especially depending on what time drop off is. But, um, but on the flip side, so there's times where I'm like, I'm jumping out like, I, I just need a break. I'm over, you know, like mm-hmm. overwhelmed. Yeah. And I'm trying to work. I'm trying to write. I'm trying to start a new career mm-hmm. and have your career, you know, all at once and sleep and mourn and all that stuff. But then there are times when she's not here and I'm just like, this what is do sad. Do? Yeah. <laughs> Solitude. And like, this is the first March of 2020. This, this, this month that just passed is the first month in years, like years that I have been forced into celibacy. Like, it's just not something I'm used to. I don't believe in it. It's against my spiritual practice. Like I just, I it's don't against your talk. spiritual practice. This is a new one. What do you mean? What are you saying? Sex. Like it's just the thing that I do. And so I've had, and I've been fortunate because of the, you know, healthy co-parenting split that I've had my own time to, have serious relationships, have frivolous ones, you know, to have a life. Right. And so everything else in my life, <laughs> except for working my child, yeah. you know, and who I can talk to, you know, in this capacity has been snatched away. So that has taken dating in a, in a city where, you know, one, I wouldn't, even if I were seeing somebody here, I wouldn't bring them in and out if she's coming in and out. You know what I mean? You cannot, yeah. we're, we're, still, so we're still kind of playing a little bit faster and looser than we should with doing that. So like there, I, I couldn't, you know, like, even, like I just can't, I can't. That's so, fine. so, okay. Cause we just, that was, <laughs> that was a big, uh, that was a big sweet potato you, know you just dropped in the, in the pot. So how's parenting? And I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to have sex again. That's the biggest thing. <laughs> the lack of fucking is the hardest part. It, trust me. I can relate. I can relate. I, I had to be, I've not mastered my domain. I gave in, I lost early. But then I, I try to pull back a little bit. Then it's just like, man, right. out of nowhere, you got to just pleasure it up. You got to keep that part of yourself alive. I think it's that's a part of it. Yes, like, yes. You, you know, like, I, I don't want to become a lot. We're at that age, part. Like, <laughs> oh, you think I don't know? I'm. I got two years from getting my prostate checked. I'm about two but years like, off. Yeah, but it, but it, but it's also like this is an age where some thirty-five-year-olds become middle-aged. Yeah, isn't it wild? Like people want to look old, like your peers. I'm like, bro, like people just mini banded it up, letting it go. Like short bob haircuts. I'm like, you're not that old. We're not that old, and it's like again, like if that's just always been your steves. If you're like, you know, I've just always been kind of like playing Jane about like that's one thing. But people are like and accepting it. Like I'm an auntie now. I'm I'm like I'm a whole mother. Like I'm not no fucking auntie. Yo, I am not. But I'm not an auntie yet. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, my nephew is seven. So that's you're it. Not that's the most auntie. I can give you. Yeah. Yeah. You're not calling me auntie if we at the same bar. Don't like, do it. It's just not happening. But um, but I was, you know, something else I was gonna say that I can't believe about. Yeah, like so you can't let that part of yourself die. But also, like, I have a sex trophy walking around my house. Okay, like yeah, it I, is. a take home prize. I have a take home prize. And I was at the point where I'm starting to think like, okay, now it's kind of, you know, I had a, I've had a good run in these streets. You know, I've had a few runs. Okay. And Same. I've been out, man, you know, New York was a trip. Who like, I lived a life, man. Every time I go in Casablanca and I'm like, I feel like this is your life. You Yo, know, like, whatever was that Bedford, Bedford, uh, Bedford no, club. I, it was a, it was a spot. Bedford Hall. Bedford Hall. Oh my God. It was. How many how many days have you taken to Bedford Hall? It was to- just it would just be meetups and then leave outs. You know what I'm saying? It was just like oh, wow. New York is just like I can I can't understand somebody not being hypersexually active. 
in that city. Or as, or as active as you'd like to be. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not a high... Because not everybody wants a high drive, but I'm just saying... That's like, true. If, right. You can meet your you needs. Do, you can't, yeah. Like, if you want it, you can have it. If you want to abstain from it, you got plenty of comfortable places to not do it. But, like, you can, you know... But the desire to have it and not have it, especially, like... I grew up kind of sheltered. So like I said, it took me a while comparatively to other dudes. So it took me like six months. And obviously, and this is why I want to talk to you about it. Obviously, I expanded my horizons out there. Look, if you're a black dude and you're funny, you're going to date a Jewish woman. It's going to happen. Oh. <laughs> Let's just talk about it. It happens. Have you expanded ever? No, I'm not. I've not. Any desire? I don't have it. You know, like... Oh, Morehouse. Come on, shirt. Right. I've collected Morehouse (laughs) like trophies. I got, you know. I respect it. I respect it. I haven't expanded. And so, like, you know, I go back and forth and say, like, is this political or is this just a matter of desire? I think the headline for me is desire because I I, I don't believe that if I'd come across a person who, I don't mess with a Latino dude who's not necessarily Afro-Latino, but he looked it enough. So I don't really, you know. Okay, Ricky. (laughs) or whatever his name was but um that might actually be his name but what I was going to (laughs) say I think about it but um I if I came across somebody you know who who was not black that disturbed that sort of desire in me I don't necessarily believe that I would ignore it because of my politics and my politics are not that that's a bad thing to do. Mm. I think it's that my that choosing black love is a can be a powerful thing. True. But also, but you know what I mean? But don't choose toxic black love over being with somebody else or don't choose, you know what I'm saying? Like don't yeah. Don't put some other people's happiness over your own. Yeah, exactly. And, and and don't, yeah, don't deny your happiness either, you know, but I think it's just, for me, it's always like, what is, you know, the health of any relationship, I think, can largely be measured by like, why did these two people get into it? You know what I mean? I should say right. that's accurate, that it, it may not tell you how healthy it is now, but I think it's a good predictor of how healthy it will be, if that makes sense, right? So if you got two thirsty ass buppies who want to be Barack and Michelle, that not you know that might not necessarily be the recipe for a healthy relationship because they're not thinking about like what do I want in a partner in, right. in terms of you know, their who they are as a person as opposed to a resume or the possibility of a power couple you know but like so if you got a brother who doesn't like black women which is very easy to have in a society that, <laughs> that well yeah society, the message is there yeah people yeah the messaging is that we're the least desirable you know we are made more desirable by our lack of melanin so you know a black woman who looks a particular way is more desirable than the one who looks probably more like his mother um you know okay. that you, i got thoughts so, yeah, you know i got like, stuff to say i will let I you mean, finish though you know like that that you know, you you have a, a grandparent or two that that is not black, and and now you've become more valuable. Absolutely. Um, so, like with that, it's I don't shame or hate every brother that received that messaging and reacted to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of again, how do you perform it? So, are you just somebody who's like, "What? I don't see color." Like, well, that's a naive and stupid thing to say. Yeah, but that's very different than fuck black women. Or oh, I don't like super duper. And that's what I'm saying. Like, my issue is if you and they go I, and I say the same thing to sisters too. Like, if you out here talking about black men are too good, they too lazy, they too trifling, they too they don't do this, they don't do that. I'm like, that's bullshit. Full you know, stop. There, are yeah. who, there are men who behave themselves that way. There are a whole lot of men. The, the issue primarily will be men. It will not be the black or the in front of it. It's <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's the stuff yeah. that makes them treat you poorly oftentimes has to do with the way that people are trained to to think of gender. You know, you got the, the two and the one and, and you got, you know, the person who's supposed to be up here and they don't necessarily cling to that protective provider thing the way that they cling to the idea that my thoughts mean more than yours, my pleasure means more than yours, my you know, my capabilities are better, you know what I mean? Stronger, faster, sharper than yours. I'm more intelligent. I'm more blah, 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 blah. You know, yeah. a hierarchy of, you know, power and importance. And so that shows up in relationships of all sorts, you know, shows up in gay, you know, relationships, right? Every just type, how- yeah. Transgender, it's, the whole night. Oh, yeah. So it, it, it's more often than not dangerous. But like, again, so it's like, 
I know brothers who are in relationships with white women or non-black women or who typically are in relationships with non-black women who love black women, who fight for us, who ride for us, who hold us down, who are our friends and brothers. That to me is the litmus test. Like, do you still have black homegirls? Can you bring this chick that you got around your black female friends and they fuck with her? You know what I mean? And you that's, know what real. I mean? that's real. That's real. <laughs> I feel I feel like James Baldwin in the Nikki Giovanni uh, <laughs> video. <laughs> I can't talk to you like that. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, like everything that you're saying was just what I was going. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. It's 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 a matter of here's here's. Let me drop this on you because this is a thought that because I, I was having this conversation. Two things. Number one, um, I feel like we're coming from the same perspective in that I'm different as a very minuscule public figure in that I talk about so much black stuff that people would be confused if they didn't see me next to a black woman. Now, obviously I never reject anybody, but it's because, right. It's because of that. It's not, I'm never anti anything except like oppression and racism, but as a, I'm never, I'm not anti any group of people. I really don't even joke about white people ain't shit unless it's a real funny joke, but I'm pro black people. And here's the second thing. Okay. I was taking this this stance that in a successful, happy relationship, at least one of the people, at least one, has to be free. Mm. Mm. Because when you're free, when you're not beat down by the world from racism and uh, police brutality and all and family issues and debt and everything that they talk about in the good times in opening, when you're not beat down by those you come home to your mate and you don't have to win every argument. But when you're beat down by everything in the outside world, you come home to your mate, you're like, well, I ain't gonna lose no argument to you. I take, I can take shit. It was kind of like the Mike Angelou and James Baldwin discussion where it's like, I had to smile in that white person's face and act right in front of this police officer. And I had to deal with this lone officer. It's like, I had to deal with all that. But when I come home, I'm, I'm going to be king here and I'm not going to lose another battle. But you know, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut no, you Yeah. Off. That's, that's yeah. That's what but, one person know, has to be free. Think back to what Nikki said. Like she said, you can go smile in his face. You can't, you can't come home and do that for me. And I understand what you're saying. You're like, no, I can't. But it's like, it's as if sometimes some of you all forget that we're going out and, and dealing with the same shit. And I understand that it kind of being like wanting someone who's not going through it, but it's like, we, you know, even a lot of y'all that are in relationships with us have done a really inadequate job of like making space for our trauma and our oppression and just being willing sure. to recognize that it does for us. It doesn't just show up via white people, you know, sure. it, 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 absolutely. And it shows up, you know, via men of all races, you know, it shows up with non-black people of color as it does for you all too. You know what I'm saying? But like, mm-hmm. and it shows up with our brothers, like it's, that's who, you know, the, the creepy uncle, the you know person on the bus stop who harassed you the you know what i'm saying like basically every man <laughs> every man yeah, you every come man. across every man you come across and the majority of the men you come across look like you for most yes. people right uh-huh. and so that that's a specific thing like it's to be brother sister lover mother like the like to be brother sister and lovers or partners or potential lovers and partners is a very complicated dynamic it's something that white people don't have to deal with in the same way because even though yeah they're absolutely brothers and sisters and their ability to be oppressive mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah white women don't get the same privileges that white men get but they they are like what dave say like you know y'all oh, they, they didn't like they cut of the deal they yeah like they cut of the deal yeah. you know but um but but with that, like, for me, I also, it's like, yeah, I don't want to go home and be beat down, which is why I have not dealt with any men that showed me any, and I'm not saying this disparage women who have, because oftentimes they're charming and seductive, sure. and, you know, and then they tap into certain, you know, places where you're vulnerable. But like, I think my awareness that I don't want to fight at home is part of the reason that I, you know, if I get the faintest whiff that somebody might have some kind of abusive you know, um, tendencies or someone who likes to argue or, you know, like pick up disagreements for no reason. Yeah. I I don't want to have tension and like my, my relationship should be, it's not just like be my peace, but like this should be a a rest haven from the rest of the world to some extent, you know, or like we fortify each other. So it's like, for me, it's, I don't want to go home and 
because if I'm gonna tell you that a dude mansplains some shit to me, there's a good chance that unless you're like just a super feminist dude, and there's five of them, most of them are you know married, and like <laughs> or creeps, but, but, you know, or <laughs> on the low. You know, but like, if, if you're not somebody who's like deeply into that stuff, there's a good chance that maybe not every time I come home and complain about sexism, but at some point you're gonna say, well, but you know actually, I mean? yeah, well. Or are you sure? It's you know, be and contention, yeah. To, yeah, or I'm gonna have to just explain like a big piece of my humanity to somebody who knows me better than anyone else. And so like it's annoying to have to do that shit to strangers, to colleagues, and you know, mm-hmm. it's what you have to do it with children or outsiders where it's like, hey, I need you to understand this, but like to have your person not understand you, for me it's kind of like unfathomable. I don't want to fuck with somebody who don't know who Frankie Beverly and Mays is. You know, like I don't wanna have to explain that. Sure. Let alone having to come home. And and talk about explain my experiences with racism. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like that is, is so I want somebody who gets it. So and I want to be able to like you know put your head on my lap. We're gonna have to take turns doing that. The 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 former is way like wait or is it the latter? The Frankie Beverly one is mm-hmm. a, can be a little bit more funner in the explanation of it than explain the racism for sure and i'm saying that from personal experience but i I feel what you're saying i feel what you're saying 100 percent. one of y'all should at least be able to just say sometimes you know i don't need to win right you don't you want to be what is it what's the old phrase do you want to be right or do you want to be happy happy yeah yeah free yourself in whatever way because sometimes the oppression is coming from within now we getting real. Uh, what's my what's hotel number one? Uh, yeah, we getting real Umar real quick, brother. Free oh, your mind, mind, and then mind starts with an M, like white male, whatever. We <laughs> we, we want to go to right. the cheesecake factory with, <laughs> with these gifts and these yeah. donations. Yeah. Donations. <laughs> donations, donations, gifts. He is scary because he got that crazy eye. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, all the wheels ain't taken up there. But, man, that concludes our episodes. We, we got to run now. It's been an hour of us Thank just you, shooting the shit. What, where can people find you and follow you? So, and I guess I should explain what I'm doing since I just said I was trying to get into comedy without any context. <laughs> yes. So, I'm, I decided I, two years ago, I started, there was an idea I'd been playing around with for a very long time in my head for a feature length film. And I sat down with a couple of folks who work in the business and who know things. And they were like, that's not a film, that's a TV show, you know? And okay. so I've been working on a pilot script for an hour long right. comedy. Um, I'm, you know, my plan is to come out of quarantine with a 30 minute version of it as well, you know, which Boom. is why. But, so in the process of writing the pilot script, you know, I would sometimes just, you know, I'd be out and I'd think of a joke or something or some, you know, something funny that a character would say and I'd write it down. And the more, you know, that I started to collect, I was like, this feels like this could work on stage. And so I was thinking, I, I, I thought about stand up primarily as a way to workshop jokes that I would like to write into scripts, sure. you know, less about like now I'm going to be a stand up performer. And, you know, I've got to play around on stage a little bit. I haven't done like a full set anywhere, but I've, you know, told some jokes at a couple of comedy shows. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm working on routines. And I've got, you know, a tutor and a couple of, you know, some mentor folks that are helping me out. And, you know. (laughs) I can can see the anxiety as a new, the new comic anxiety as you talk about it. Like, I'm trying and I'm going out and I'm going to just give it my best. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm funny. I know sure, I can write. Absolutely. Like that. And then the feedback I've gotten is very affirmative. You know, absolutely. like, but also, I just deeply, I wouldn't necessarily even be doing all the tension and stuff if I weren't talking to a comedian that I respect. Sure. And I <laughs> Thank you. That, like, we respect, like, I respect the work that you put in, you know, so whatever comes of this, I also don't have 10 years to start my life over, right? So it's sure. like, it may not, I may not be able to do what I would have done if I'd started at 25, but if there's something I can do that I yeah. like, who knows? You know, everyone's journey is different, but the, I'm just kind of the I'm game was so, the game was so different when I started. As yeah. somebody starting, the rules is I don't even know the rules. All I know is the rules of like I'm like a tweener where it was like internet was just kind of starting, but it wasn't respected yet, and I was still on the old. It, it's a whole lot, yeah. but your path is your path. You know, feel you feel me? You feel me? Yeah. 
Uh, they already know this, but please drop your your handles where they could find you and shit. Yes, uh, it's at Jamila Lemieux um, on Twitter and Instagram. Sometimes I get high and go on Instagram live late at night. If you're lucky. Oh, yeah. And I am the co-host of a parenting podcast for Slate called Mom and Dad are Fighting. And I also write a weekly parenting column there. And you can find my writing in random places lately. Uh, Essence, Playboy. Uh, who knows what will be next? Jamila, thank you for joining the show today. Thank I pre- you We're we going to talk so offline. Thank you. I'm proud of you too. Thank you for wearing that shirt. And if you missed anything about or don't understand any black shit we talked about tonight, School Days is streaming now on Netflix. That's just a little <laughs> <laughs> that I'm going to throw to y'all. I'm Clark Jones. Find me on everything at the Clark Jones, T-H-E-E, Clark Jones. This is Classic Black Dude Podcast. Thank you for listening. All my classmates out there, keep subscribing, sharing, subscribe. Give me those reviews. That's what's keeping this going. You want to help out a comedian during the shutdown? Give me them reviews. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Classic Black Dude with your host, Clark Jones, a.k.a. Pie Strickland. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.